Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I have such a special treat for you today. One of my lifelong heroes and encourager is on the show, Corey Connors. I want to introduce her with a short story from my childhood, as it is my first memory of Corey Connors, although it's also my most embarrassing moment. When I was around seven years old, I was playing in a t-ball league that was very basic. And the long story short is throughout the game, I really needed to use the bathroom, but I kept putting it off for a multitude of reasons, one of which was I wanted to make sure I didn't miss my turn to go up to bat because there was a boy in in the stands that I also wanted to impress with my batting skills. So by the time I finally was up to bat, I had to go to the bathroom so badly. And I was really confused at how my coach was shouting at me when he was supposed to be pitching the ball and telling me to hold still, but I found myself dancing all over the home plate. And before I realized what was happening, I saw the other team pointing and laughing at me. And I'm sure you know what happened. I peed my pants on home plate. And the amount of humiliation I felt then is totally, I mean, it's still my most embarrassing moment to date. My next memory is me sitting on the grass on the sidelines, just pulling out the grass. I was so mortified. The hardest part was that my parents happened to be out of town, which was super rare, and they weren't there to comfort me like they normally would have been. So I remember Corey appearing on my side and her putting her arms around me and saying soft words and making light of it. And the best thing she told me was, Monica, when people need to go to the bathroom all over the world, they just sit down and go wherever they are. You were just doing what everybody else does. <laughs> Which, if you know Corey, it sounds just like her, and that did comfort me. And she put some towels in her car, and she gave me a ride home. So this, my friends, is Corey Connors, as I know her. The kindest, most beautiful, magical soul. One whose love is deep for those around her. She is an angel. She has been an an angel in my life in so many ways. She is also a very talented and recognized singer, songwriter, and writer. She's here to talk about creativity. That perfectionism will destroy our gifts if we let it. And the way to combat that is to get messy and accept the mess. (laughs) Corey has a lot of lessons on this, and you're going to learn a tremendous amount. I've interwoven some of her songs with her permission, because you just need to hear her music. And if I may be so bold, I highly recommend you listen to the very end, as Corey's last last words of wisdom are ones that I hope to never forget. And another quick note before we begin is Corey was sick when we recorded this. She was so kind to still keep our date here. So uh, just thank you, Corey, for doing it when you were still sick. Let's get on to my interview now with Corey. I want to welcome my dear friend, Corey Connors, to the show. Hi, Corey. Hey, how are you, my friend? I'm good. You're so lovely to be on the show. And 
I mean, we were just talking off the air, but I'm so, so honored to have you as a guest on my show. You are someone who I've admired and looked up to um, most of my life. I mean, you moved into our neighborhood when I was pretty young. So how how about we start by having you introduce yourself and, and if you could tell my audience a little bit about yourself if they're not familiar with you yet. Sure. Um, let's see. I am Corey Connors, and I am actually a pretty semi-normal average person. And I'm really happy being part of a family. I'm happy to be part of a, a diverse community um, that I select and a community that I'm kind of thrown into by fate. And um really happy with my family as as a uh, um kind of some of the less uh permanent and therefore less important personal curiosities um I am a a singer songwriter I'm a platinum selling songwriter, and um I've recorded ten albums and i i mean i I don't know I don't know how much detail you want i've I've had some success as a songwriter <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, perform a bit and I'm just really happy with it. I'm kind of where I am happy um, doing what I'm doing. There was a point where I wanted to be able to do more and now I'm seeing the great wisdom in not having done more. So oh, it's kind of where I am and who I am. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I wanted to dive into I'm old. that. It's, no, you're not. <laughs> you're the same age as when you moved into our neighborhood. Oh, good. That's how good. I see you. That makes me, but what about your age now? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah Which is really. really crazy to think about. Um, so okay. your music has, you know, been this underlying thread of my life. It's always been there. It's always been a part of it. And it's weaving itself Aww. into my own family's life right now. We listen to your music all the time. And anytime... Um, my two-month-old cries. My four-year-old shouts from the back, put on Sweet Little Lamb, he calls your Blowing oh, Kisses album. Yeah, really? And he's oh right. It works every time we put it on, he stops crying. Oh, um, oh that means the world to me. That's it's my goal. It's such a beautiful my goal album. Is that people will know the first two songs on the album, and yeah. then they don't know any more because they're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're all they're all seeking in the back seat is what's happening in our house when our family. So, Aww, you know, Corey, sweet. I I want to hear about how you came to yourself here, how how you came to know yourself as this creative person, as an artist, as a singer songwriter, and also a writer. You know, not just song writing. Um, so can we start back a little bit earlier in your life? I want to know if that's something you could always sense in yourself that you were this creative soul or was that something that you grew into more with time? You know, I, I really think uh, whether it's, you know, the whisperings of the internal spirit or whether it was my, you know, my mother who was my creative nurturer Mm. or my sisters who were my creative cohorts. I just always have felt like, I was uh, I was destined to create whether it was you know making little buttons out of stickers and Elmer's glue uh, in the, the the lid of a, a you know a canning jar or whether it was making a computer out of 
cardboard boxes or writing a story or, you know, once I, I finally got a ukulele when I was 12 and, and writing my first little song, you know, it, it just, it kind of all flowed naturally to me because, um, probably because I was never told I couldn't. And I, you know, I kind of wonder if any of us were never told we couldn't, if we wouldn't all just be more creative. Well, you said your mom nurtured it in you. How did she do that? Uh, Well, you know, thinking back on it, it's interesting. My sister and I were talking the other day, my, my sister Sherry, who's the oldest in my family, and I am number six out of seven. Mm. And Sherry was saying, you know, we had different mothers. And I I was really pondering that. And I thought, you know, we really kind of did. When my mom had her first child, she was, uh, you know, she was a teenager, really. And her -hmm. husband had gone off the war. He, she, she had a a different sense of self as a woman when Mm -hmm. she had my oldest sister. Then by the time she had, at the very end, I mean, I don't want to, you know, belabor this and make her long, long life story here, but she married twice and, and had three kids by the first husband, four kids by my father. And the, the four of us, the last four were were just born, you know, bam, 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 right. One Mm -hmm. after the other. And I have two sisters that straddle me and Anne Marie is 18 months older and Libby Mm -hmm. is 15 months younger. Wow. So we were, um, I imagine that the mother we had was just plain exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to add to that, she was trying to uh, hang on to a, uh, a broken marriage, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it ended up not uh, being saved. And my father left by the time I was a teenager um, for good. I never saw him again. And and so my mom had like big things to worry about mm-hmm. when we were little. So I think she kind of got out of the way. And mm-hmm. uh, and yet I never felt neglected. Mm-hmm. I just felt freed. And that's a term that, that's a term we that's a term all mothers should learn to incorporate in their sense of self. You know, I am not neglecting my children I am freeing my children to you know to discover their world and it may make a mess and if you always add that caveat Mm -hmm. then you won't be so mad at the kids in the end after they've used their creativity um and yeah it's always better if you can teach your kids to clean up after their mess but I (laughs) never was good at that I'm still not good at that and if that had been beaten into me as a child, I think I would have squelched the creative because it's just easier not to deal with. And so I, you know, I guess I would forewarn any young mother out there to be very cautious about yelling at your kids to clean up their mess because yeah, it's a good and healthy thing to do, but you will squelch their creativity. But when we put really tight parameters around a kid, as they're trying to be creative, it's parameters like spelling, parameters like is your handwriting tidy enough, um, parameters like did you did you did your drawing stay on the page or did you go off the page? 
you know, did you smear that paint? Oh, start again, you know. Mm-hmm. That um, That is really limiting to a, a, a child's sense of self as they're created. Creating, I, you know, I'm not a child psychologist, so I'm, I'm probably just no, you know your saying stuff. all sorts of wrong things here. But, but I really have this feeling like if we want, if we want to nurture creativity, we have got to make the environment emotionally safe, which means there's going to be a mess, hmm. and that that involves not only creative expression like any form of art. But it also involves emotional creativity hmm. in that we allow ourselves to explore emotional places that we don't necessarily feel wholly comfortable in. Oh, I see what you and mean. And we've got to loosen, we've got to loosen up a little bit and allow ourselves to explore even the thought of, wow, what if I didn't believe in this one concept that I have always just held on to? Mm-hmm. It's a frightening thing, um, and I, my personal belief is it always needs to be guided by our whatever is guiding us spiritually. So if I'm going to do that daring thing, I'm going to say a prayer first and say, Lord, I'm going to walk over into this little delicate place here for a minute, and will you stop me when I get to a place where it's dangerous for me? Oh, yeah. But that you know, there are all sorts of creativity, not just artistic creativity. There's intellectual creativity, and there's emotional creativity, and there's there's all sorts of ways for us to make a nice big mess and come out with something glorious in the end. And like I said, it usually involves a mess. So I'm really good (laughs) at messes. Yes, it does. Wow, there's so much to say there. I love that, you know, you said your mom freed you, and I, I, I know your, I knew your mother. She was yeah. Oh, she was just amazing, and I saw. Well, but the, another another. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say Go I ahead. saw the the bond that she had with her children, and it is so inspiring mm-hmm. to me now to know more about what she was struggling with as a young mom and how she still made it on the other right. side, having such strong relationships and bonds with her children. And I think, like you yeah. said, just because she freed you to be who you are. And she loved you, and yeah. she gave you that emotional stability instead of taking what she was going through out on you guys. Right, exactly. Another thing she did that was kind of life-changing for me, and I learned to do this with my own kids just because I, I knew what it had done for me, and this involves writing. She uh, would take the things I had written, little poems or little essays, from the time I was quite small, um, and she would read them in a, in her most beautiful, noble mm-hmm. reading voice. Yes. <laughs> Not over-reading, but she would pick up the piece of paper that I had written on and try to read my handwriting, mm-hmm. and then she would speak it with her beautiful, poetic resonance. Mm-hmm. And by listening to my mother read with such respect the things I had written, I thought I was a writer from the time I was very little. Uh, oh, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and I've learned to do that with my kids. They would they would bring in a piece of homework and I would say, okay, sit down, let me read this to you. Because something is different when you, when you hear it versus when you read it through your eyes. 
when you read it through your ears, it's different than when you read it through your eyes. And some things need to be spoken to get the whole dimension revealed. And um, uh, boy, I found it really powerful to read aloud to my children the things they had written. Hmm. So yeah, letting a kid hear their, their work or see their work through your eyes, take a piece of artwork and and always with a piece of artwork, I will ask the child to tell me about it first. Tell me about this. Oh, yeah. Rather than saying, oh, I like this. You okay. know, I used to say, oh, I like this. But now, now I'll say, tell me about it. Or I will say, tell me about this yellow right here. Or tell me about the shape of this. Hmm. And then you're not getting in the way. You know, you're letting them honestly express themselves without us trying to judge them. I have learned so much already from you in just this 15 minutes. I'm like, holy cow, this is changing so much of how I want to parent my kids. You know, you, you mentioned, which I'm not surprised by, Corey. I knew this was going to be really, really awesome with you. But, you, you know, you talked about going through some tough times as a child and your family going through some tough yeah. times. How did your own creativity get you through that time? Um, well, first of all, my, um, my instrument was therapeutic. I play guitar and that guitar vibrates and resonates against your chest and, um, and feeling that vibration. I I think there was a real physical thing that happened in in that particular instrument being my instrument. And I don't know how it would be with anything else. It may be that if I was playing a flute, like, didn't you play the flute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I played flute like you, I would imagine that the, 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 the repetition and the regulation of airflow would be therapeutic. Yeah, definitely. If I played piano... I would imagine that, that the vibration of that large instrument around me and the, the pattern of my hand um, up and down on the keys would be therapeutic. So I think the actual playing of an instrument was therapeutic for me. Just looking back on it, I wasn't necessarily analyzing it at mm-hmm. the moment like that. But writing was um, was really therapeutic to me. My mother... You know, we really had a, a, a wonderful mother, um, especially when I think about the fact that she lost her mother at a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, so she didn't really have someone training her how to do this. She just followed her gut and was good at it. Laid our clothes at the foot of our bed She kissed us goodnight on the top of our heads When the sunlight came We'd empty the house and she'd lock it She tied a solid brick to the luggage rack No one packed like my mom could pack Then she loaded us into that big blue Pontiac rocket Flying down the road At the speed of light She aimed that rocket to the heart Western night In the days before the cops Could even clock it Yes 
as she shot straight through. Yet her aim was true, flying in our great big blue Pontiac rocket. But she gave us, uh, all of us kids, when I was a teenager, young teenager, a little, tiny little notebook, like three inches by three inches, and these little miniature pens that were really cool at the time. This was like in the 70s. And she gave them to each of us one night, and she said, if you wake up and you're troubled by something or you're inspired by something, you have my permission to turn on your lamp and write in your book. And there were many poems little poems written in that book by me. Number one, we kind of had a rule that the lights, when the lights were out, the lights were out. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she gave us permission <laughs> to turn on the lights was yeah. like cool. And so I wanted to be, to have something to say. Mm-hmm. So waking up and being able to write and, um, you know, of course when you're, the, the, you know, the time between sleep and Full waking state is a magical little area for anyone that's creative, uh, especially in creative writing and music and, and other things as well. So, but my mom would do that, and she let us wake in the middle of the night and write uh, creatively. And it was healthy for all of us. All of my, all of my family are good writers. They're all good thinkers. Mm-hmm. If you say to somebody, "You're a good writer," what you're basically saying to them is you're a good thinker. Yes. And who doesn't want to be called a good thinker? Right. Especially kids. Yeah. They, they soak that up. So oh, there's right. so many things I, I want to ask about um, just based on what you said. Let's, let's talk about how you have advanced in your creativity. It's something that I still see you working on. You talked about having this group that you work on your writing together and it didn't it wasn't until I was an adult and saw you um writing on your blog as like an accountability like your uh, writing exercises that you were doing or posts you were writing that I realized oh this gift she has she has to work at it and I, I want to know where that came into play because I know that you saw this gift in you at a young age but it could have easily been something that was only for your youth you know, if you hadn't been right. cultivating it. Right. So how did well, you many, do for that? For many of us, we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, uh, I'm just slightly insane. And if we would all just accept that we're slightly insane, then we're going to do all sorts of marvelous things. Yes. Okay. You know, what do you mean? If, if, you, if we... <laughs> well, I mean... Is this like the messy all... part, you mean? It's just messy. It's probably, yeah, it's part of the messy part. And also being, allowing yourself to be weird. Okay. And, yeah. you know, you know our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we, you grew up at where my children grew up in this very beautiful white bread, mm-hmm. um, you know, wonder bread kind of neighborhood where the people are so good and so amazing. And if you started comparing yourself, you might get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking at one point, and I here I am in this this neighborhood of beautiful, beautiful women, in fact, and I am not a physically beautiful woman in in the sense of society. I don't mean to discredit 
the the things God gave me and mm-hmm. how you know what good things I may have done with what I actually was given. But I'm overweight. I don't wear makeup. My my you know people have to walk through my yard because it it combines two neighborhoods and they well, have to you go let past my messy garage. <laughs> Yeah, because we put a gate there, because if we you didn't did put that. a gate there, there was no way to get from that neighborhood to this neighborhood. So we put a gate there, which are. means people have to go past my garage. Well, you know my garage. Oh, my gosh. I love it's, going to your I, home. I, I just wrote a, a little poem song about my garage. You know, it's a wonderland of treasures. It's just yeah. a lot of stuff. And we can fit cars around the periphery that's gathered, but there's really groovy stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And um, if I were to say to myself, I cannot open my garage door and I cannot have people walk by to see a mess of me, then no one would walk by and I would know nobody. And so there came a point where like, I was so much of a weirdo in my own eyes that I thought I you know what? This is what it is. And if I want to have a relationship with people, I've got to show them who I am because I can't fake it that long. Mm-hmm. It takes so much energy to fake it. Mm-hmm. And we waste so much energy faking who we are. Yeah. And when I finally let go of trying to hide who I am and I actually left the garage door up, we bought a we bought a sign at Costco that says open, you know, that we can light up yeah. and we, and we buy pop soda pop <laughs> and we line it up underneath this sign and we have a little fridge there and we have an ice machine and I have a set of rules. It's called Dave's pop shop <laughs> after my husband, Dave. And, um, and they can, if the signs, if the open sign is on, every kid in the neighborhood or adult is welcome to come in and get a pop. And there's cups and there's ice and there's straws. They can choose what they want, but they only get one a day because they don't want to be like yeah. making our whole neighborhood sugar freaks, you know. <laughs> and some parents don't love it that I have it, but hey, it's not open all the time. But it says to the neighborhood, "Come into my mess." I'm okay if you if you'll accept it, I'll accept it. And the interesting thing is. When someone is headed for that can of soda, they don't really care what's on either side of it. Mm. They just see that you are offering them this sweet thing, and they say thank you, and they go out, and they think you're just the living end. I mean, that's a, that's a treasure that we get to do that. I kind of feel that way about, about myself, and I wish that everybody else would feel that way so that I can come into their space and you know if they say come in and get this sweet little thing from me and please please excuse my mess I'm not saying ignore my mess I'm just saying excuse it Mm -hmm. and and take what I have to give you inevitably I'm going to come in I'm going to take what they have to give me I may actually even be curious and interested in the mess around them and think that's super cool you know, there's curious things. If you will let somebody come in, even yourself come in and see mm. the depths of where the treasure lies, then um, it just enhances everybody's life. And then people go on their merry way. 
and they walk up the street and they're carrying their can of pop and they think, gosh, that was nice. Or maybe they don't even think that. They just kind of expect it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but they're, I don't think they're analyzing man the corners of really missing people. Mm-mm. And honestly, if they are, hopefully they'll outgrow it. Yeah. You know, I can forgive them for that. I'm not going to judge them for that. That's just, a, you know, something they've got to outgrow. I like how you but in that. general, people are going to be really forgiving and mm-hmm. and embracing about what we have to offer, and they'll just forgive the rest. So I say, I'm supposed to be a missionary for overweightness mm-hmm. in this neighborhood. I'm a missionary for a mess in this neighborhood, and I feel loved and accepted in this neighborhood. And so I'm grateful so. that I live right here, even though mm-hmm. if I... If I let myself, I could really be buried in the, wow, I don't stack up kind of that mentality. That takes so much courage to do. That's what I admire so much you know, about it does. you, is your courage, though. There's so much courage to well, what but, you do every day, but who you are and how you own yourself and your gifts, and that takes so much courage. Well, one, I kind of analyzed that a bit, too, because I thought, why, why is it easier for me? To do that than it might be for someone else mm-hmm. and it's it's a probably a sad commentary on us as human beings is I feel like because of my um, music career that I have been given a, a, a real wide swath of leeway where people say oh she's a creative writer mm. so that's fine. We're going to just let this go because that must be how they work. And see, not everybody, not everybody has that, um, you know, Mm -hmm. like presence, stage presence that gives them the automatic, you know, implied respect from other people. Mm -hmm. They don't have that permission. You know, I mean, I will, permission. People will say to me, you know, you do whatever you need to do to make you write what you write because we like what you write. Well, we really should all be saying that to each other, even if the stuff that's coming out of someone is not the quality that we admire. Mm -hmm. Because we're all in progress, as a friend of mine has a podcast about. (laughs) I thought you were talking about someone else for a second. no. Like, oh, tell me about her. Um, (laughs) Oh, she's the most amazing girl. Oh, my gosh, let me tell you about this girl. You know what, Corey? This woman that is phenomenal. You know what? I I just didn't make that connection, though, that so much of what you do and, and what makes up who you are is this boldness and the messiness of, like, accepting your mess and and pushing away this idea of, perfection because otherwise you yeah. I, I see what you're saying otherwise you would have been behind bars in a sense of I would that. you know interestingly if I think back I, see I kind of look at my life in phases by the houses I lived in mm-hmm. and so when I was your age I was living over in the other neighborhood and and I was PTA president, and I was trying to prove myself to myself and others as, you know, a highly capable person. 
part of it was me trying to prove I was worthy even though I was, you know, so overweight. Has a lot to do with the whole body issue thing. It's so dumb. Looking isn't back it? on it. Yeah. It's dumb, but I actually I think of it as a blessing. Isn't that really? weird? Actually as a blurs. Most a of life is full of blurs. <laughs> it's a it's a mixture of blessing uh-huh. and curse. I love that. And it's a blurs. It it's you know, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's physically uncomfortable. It's emotionally very uncomfortable. It's socially uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. In so many ways, you know, being overweight or having any other kind of deformity is just uncomfortable. And boy, do we beat ourselves up over it. And I think I, at some point, decided, you know, if I, if I make myself notable in ways that don't involve the necessity of looking good, mm-hmm. then... Um, and I'll feel okay about myself. So I think that was my motivation, mm-hmm. my personal motivation. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back on it, I say to myself, thank you, Lord, for helping me be heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so silly. No. But it's the truth. I think if I had not had that burden that that drove me to try to become more excellent in other areas, that I might not have become more more excellent. Okay. And so I am grateful for that blurse mm-hmm. in my life in a weird sort of way. I wish I had not had to be. I wish I had had a body that was just perfectly acceptable. I don't need to be wonderful. I just want to be acceptable mm-hmm. um, socially. And then, then still had that motivation. But I think because I had that, I wanted to prove myself otherwise. One of those was through music, mm-hmm. through writing, um, through performing, which I think is kind of funny. I look at old pictures of me performing, and I'm just astounded anyone would come because I'm kind of turned off oh, <laughs> by goodness. it. And yet people would listen, and I have to give people more credit than I ever gave them, you know, because... Mm-hmm. They can see beyond things. People see beyond what we think they will never see beyond. And like I said before, we need to give people more credit than we do. Definitely. That they can see more broadly than we expect they can. And and I think you're right. I was being, and I tend to still be critical of myself in ways that really don't matter very mm-hmm. much. Well, we all do. So you're not, al- it's actually nice to hear that someone as amazing yeah. as yourself can can still struggle with that and it, I think it inspires yeah. us to still try you know a lot of what you said is reminding me of the struggles I often hear of my listeners a lot of them have said well the people you have on are so extraordinary or they just are so amazing I'm not mm. that way or they say they don't know how to find their gifts or what they're supposed to work on. I want to know how you would advise people to find what their creativity is and their, and their gifts are and what that looks like. And I think a lot of it, what you're going to say is, is letting go right of the fear 
like you said, the fear of the well, mess. Yes. So tell me what you would say. Well, absolutely let go of the fear of the mess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think, you know, the, my first gut reaction when you asked that question was um, seek direction from your higher power. Mm-hmm. Uh, which to me is God. Um, but whatever your higher power is, first, the very first thing we do is ask, could you help me find this? Mm-hmm. And if we repeatedly ask and then be still, which to me means it doesn't mean like just sit there and mm-hmm. wait for an answer, but it means let go of it. So part of the way I interpret the Lord saying, be still, is ask, ponder for a moment, and then walk away. Mm-hmm. And then, to me, inspiration hits us, you know, when we're doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. Or it will hit you when you're nursing your baby. Or, um, or picking up the toys at the end of the day if you're not mad at the kids. <laughs> you know, if you if you're mad at the kids, you're going to push away inspiration, so or creative juice. You know, yeah. so you got to get your anger out of the way first, and then say, okay, well, you know, I got to pick up the mess. Okay, well, let's just pretend the kids were being creative, and now we're going to pick up the mess. <laughs> okay. And and our inspiration hits us at the weirdest times. I did learn this was my mother coming back to me and saying, turn the light on, and write it down, and then go back to sleep. Do you have an inspiration? You turn the light on and you write it down and then you go back to sleep. I, I love having my smartphone because it has so many chunks of songs in it. I will push on the, um, you know, the record button and I will record a little musical riff or a little phrase and I just have, you know, chunk after chunk after chunk in my phone, mm-hmm. or I will write down in my notes a lyrical line, a phrase, a quote that someone says at a certain time, and I preserve it in my phone. So this is, you know, this is my um, my file. Yeah. My writer's file is my phone these days. It used to be an envelope, a, a napkin, a, a piece of kids' homework, a, mm-hmm. you know, whatever was laying around. I have learned to write it down. That's good. Now, so if you're trying to find your creativity, if you're, if you're saying, Lord, I feel like the most average person in the world. I, I mean, how, do, how can I feel less average? And if you just repeatedly say, Lord, please help me find something that is mine, that I'm good at. And we repeatedly say that. It's really interesting. I, I believe there will be little things that come up to you like, man. You know, I'm really curious about um, about leather work, and I, you know, my friend has this little binky holder for his kids, her her child's binky, mm-hmm. and it's this piece of leather that's braided, yeah. But it's braided so it's not like cut at the ends, hmm. and it's hard for me to explain. But it's a piece of leather, and the braid is within itself. I'm like, how do they do that? So of course, I pull up Google and. I try to write down enough words that will get me to someone that knows how to do that. And I find it like super cool. I want to try that. I'm going to get a piece of leather and I'm going to do that. And just, and I haven't done it yet. 
But the idea that I am going to get myself a piece of leather, I am going to go to Sabres and buy an old soft leather purse for $1.50, mm-hmm. and I'm going to cut it up and make a piece of leather that length, and I'm going to try that. Well, just the notion of doing that one little thing I have never done before stirs something in me that is just magical. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to actually exist. Yeah. You know, doing the dishes and uh, oh boy, I remember having little kids and just constantly, constantly beating, beating heart of motherhood that does not let up. Mm-hmm. That can wear just totally wear you down. If there was amid all of that, this little idea that man, when the kids go down, I am going to have this little piece of leather and I'm going to braid it. Is it's like the steam valve on a teapot. It's going to release that for me. So while, while you know, so I prayed to the Lord, help me find this creative person. And what He said to me is, "Go buy a piece of leather." <laughs> it, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, um, He's not necessarily saying you are going to be a master binky binky leather thing maker. Yes. I think what he's saying to me is, I want to remind you that I made you as a creative soul, and you yearn for that, and I'm going to help you find it. And it might be that for now, you're just going to be able to remind yourself that you're a creator because you're going to make these little dinky things until you've made one for you and one for your girlfriend and, and maybe one for a baby shower, and then you move on to something else. But the fact that we have a creative release, it does not have to be a major gift. You don't have to get up on a stage and perform. or You don't have to show your art in a gallery. Or you don't need to publish your work. Or you don't even need to have a podcast. You know, just a little creative something to get you through. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is your kids grow up. And if you have been allowing yourself to be a creator in all diverse ways while they're growing up, when they are finally gone and you're staring in the mirror and saying, okay, now what? You say, oh, wow, I'm going to make one of those binky things again. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to figure out how to do this thing now because I have been all along on some level a creator. And I just That's think, beautiful. I think our sanity, our sanity resides in our creative expression. And for, for mother, for young mothers, and, and for young professionals who may not even be mothering, but they're just in a world that has repetition and repetition over mm-hmm. and over again. That, that release is essential in keeping us um, pliable flexible so that when we needed to be formed we need to be formed into something else and we have to redefine ourselves in our empty nest in the job that's brand new to us because we lost our old one in whatever life hands to us as a new situation we can re- we can redefine ourselves and not be completely shattered because we remain pliable like mm-hmm. clay that's warm 
you have clay that's cold because it hasn't been worked, it's really hard. You've got to just massage it and massage it until it's warm enough to be molded. And I just think of our creative selves as something that we just need to keep massaging. Since we've come this far, take a look around. It's a beautiful road we have been walking down, and all that good born of yesterday has gathered here today who can tell about tomorrow it could all be swept away oh I will keep you here I will keep days, your own quiet personal moments in your own tiny little spaces where you can, can put little reminders to yourself of who you want to be and who you are deep down in. Because I really think that who we want to be, if we're being truthful and honor, honor the core of ourselves, who we want to be is actually who we are. We just haven't rediscovered it yet. Hmm. So, so you know, the person you aim to be, Monica, is is a person that that already is, and something in you knows it. And so, you keep going back to that vision of yourself because it's your truth, it's your internal truth, and you know it's there. You just don't know how to get there. So you can use your higher power to help you remember how to get there. That's why I say, if you want to figure out who you are creatively, ask your higher power to help you find that. And I don't know that you're going to get it in a quick little answer, but you'll get it in little snips of, I think I'll do this right now. And those tiny little repeated strips, snips of, uh, of personal revelation, 
that we don't even think of as personal revelation. They're just ideas. They lead us they lead us to that thing we want to become, that person we want to become that actually is who we are or who we were before we were sent back to our naked states of mm-hmm. rawness, which is what Earth life is. I think. I don't know. What do this I This is magical. No, this really is awesome. <laughs> um, wow, Corey. Oh. I want to make sure I hit on this part of what you said the very beginning when you introduced yourself. You said at one point in your life you had wanted to be more and you are grateful yeah. now that perhaps it wasn't the way you had more. envisioned. Tell, tell me about yeah. what you had wanted, what got in the way and why yeah. you're grateful for that. Because I think a lot of people yeah. might relate to that feeling. Well, I think you're right. And, um, and by the way, thank you for asking that because it makes me think about it. Mm-hmm. And the thinking about it makes me really grateful for where I am. I, there was a time when I was in my 20s and I, was, I had decided I really wanted to focus on my songwriting. I had written poetry before and I you know when I was a kid I had won the new era poetry contest which is a a magazine you know a worldwide magazine and I had considered myself this poet and then Mm -hmm. I took a class at college (coughs) where the teacher the poetry class where the teacher was not a real fan of my poetry and Mm -hmm. so I got a lot of self-doubt sprung from that Mm -hmm. I actually, I, you know, going back to my mom, she, I, I called her, uh, she was back in Pittsburgh, I'm from Pennsylvania, and and I was at BYU in Utah, and I had called her and said, you know, I just, I am not, I am not what I thought I was, I am not good at writing, and she said, okay, well, what's causing this? Yeah. And I said, you know, I just, my teacher, who I really respect, um, you know, I'm getting C's in poetry writing. I'm no just not way. getting what I have to say. And and she said, well, you know, she said, number one, do you like his poetry? And um, I said, well, actually, frankly, no. And she said, okay, number one, consider the source. Mm-hmm. And uh, number two, um do you need the grade? And I said, yeah, I, you know, I don't want it to ruin my GPA. She said, then give him what he wants. <laughs> my mom said and she that said, to me many times. Give him what he wants <laughs> yeah, and then and chew it up, swallow what you need to keep, and spit the rest out. <laughs> and that has been such good advice to me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Chew it up, swallow what you need to keep, and spit the rest out. Well, swallow what you want to keep because sometimes yeah. we don't know what we need to keep, but we know what we want. And yes. so um, that was really good advice from her. And so then I decided I I could play guitar a little and I was, I don't know, I decided to start writing songs. I joined the Utah Songwriters Association, which is now defunct, but um, and I became really involved in that and um, 
started writing songs. And then I became their, their director of workshops and um, um, seminars. And I would bring publishers in and writers in from all over the country uh, who were quite renowned. And, and my objective was to learn from them. Interestingly, a lot of songwriters' objective was just to get heard. <laughs> now, if you'll keep in the back of your head always, there is something I can learn. There is something I can learn. Then you'll learn. Yeah. If you go in and say, I just need to be heard, you will not learn. So anyway, I, I you know, kind of developed in my songwriting because I wanted to learn. Got a, a song published from one of these publishers we brought in. And then um, he had, and then Linda Ronstadt picked up the song. Bette Midler also picked up the song. A number of artists had the song on hold, let go of the hold, and another artist took it. So I've had some kind of good success early on. Yeah. And I thought of myself, like my mom reading my stuff back to me, hey, I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And um, those were in the days when I thought, hey, a publisher wants me. Sure, he can have it. Not ever thinking, do I want that publisher? We think so lowly of ourselves that we think if anybody wants us, then sure. And we need to we need to respect ourselves more and before we give everything away. And that's just another topic. But yeah. so I thought of myself as a writer. Then I was I performed my own stuff. I made my own demos, and the demos started getting some attention in the the in the clarity of the voice. So. Then I thought, well, you know, maybe I want to be a songwriter in someplace other than Farmington, Utah, or at least be notable in someplace other than Farmington. So I I made trips to L.A. and Nashville. Wow. Got some attention. Got really more attention in Nashville than in Utah. It's like a prophet in their own land, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I had uh, offers to be staff a staff writer, but I would have to move to Nashville. Now it's changed now because of uh, because of the internet yeah. and because of you know you can be somewhere else and work with someone somewhere else so easily. Mm. And um, but in those days we didn't have that. You needed to be in this physical space. Well, I had four little kids, mm-hmm. and that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I had, I have, still have a, a remarkable husband. I'm, I can, I'm. That is not a blur. That is a full blessing. Yes. That, um, you know, he su- has supported me in going to do what I wanted to do artistically, and that is not everybody's reality. It certainly wasn't my mother's reality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sensitive to the fact that not everybody has that. I happen to have it, even with that. I just felt like I don't want to do that. I don't, I, I, I can't, first of all, my husband had a, the job that was paying the bills mm-hmm. here in Utah. We could not relocate to Nashville without there being some real changes. And mm-hmm. so that never became to me even something that we talked about as a family option. So I decided I was just going to write on my own here and I would send off my music to publishers. I have not, I have not since then been very good at that business end of things. Mm 
Mm. You know, when I have had cuts by artists, it's been um, more fate and fortune than it has been my hard work in in promoting my music. I am not a good promoter of my music as a songwriter. I'm a pretty good promoter of myself as a performer on in the local market. Yeah. I know I know my audience, I know how to access my audience and I can do you know, I can fill a hall for three or four nights. Yes. Uh Very you know, good. for my Christmas show or something. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, the the bigger world, I used to think, you know, maybe, and I had a, a promoter kind of look at me as an artist to, you know, to build and shape and mold and promote. And, you know, I just, in my gut said, I don't think that's going to go. And part of that, Monica, was my lack of, confidence in my physical state Hmm. but I that's where that blurs comes back again because I think I don't think I would have been happy on that road yeah I think I might have been satisfied in one little peg in the whole um, table of my self you know one little leg of that table might have been happy and the rest of it would have fallen over and I, right now, because maybe I had to saw off all the legs to even it out because I didn't get to do that one thing. We're pretty even. We're pretty level, and I'm pretty happy where I am. It was made out of clay. It was shaped like a heart. And I love you was written inside. But I fell after school And the gift broke apart So she gathered it up While I cried And I watched as my mother Pieced it together Said she just might like it better this way Broken clouds Give us rain Broken ground opens up it in broken seeds growing wheat make the bread that we break and eat so much good can be grown from what has been broken I'm glad I didn't pursue the bigger things um, because I'm quite satisfied where I am. I feel like I have still been able to touch lives, including my own, Mm -hmm. through what has been written and when I'm able to sing. And um, I have not compromised my family in the process. In fact, my kids have been empowered by their mom being a, a... recording artist, singer-songwriter. They have learned to do things. They had to learn to do things because I was gone. You know, they cooked their own dinners. They did their own laundry. They had to motivate themselves to do their own homework more often than not because when I perform, it's usually in the evening. And 
that's when they're home from school. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing what kids can do when we actually expect them to do it. Yes. Or they have no clothes, you know. <laughs> you don't have clothes, it's not my fault. They'll have you know. to learn. Quite, yeah. this is... There's all sorts of stuff like that. Well, I think you need to write a book, one on creativity and the second one on mother motherhood and Aww. the third one. You know, there, there's just so many things you could be like a, a real full book. I would buy them all on any of these topics. So Corey, yeah, I, well, you have no bias. <laughs> I, do, I don't think I do, though. I mean, you really are that remarkable. So, Corey, I've asked Aww. a few of my other artists that I've had on the show what their gift has given them. And that's the last question I'd like to ask you today is what have your gifts, music, writing given you? Oh, oh, it's given me so much. It has, it is, it is like a child and this child never leaves me. That I can wrap my arms around this child and pat its back and say, thank you, I love you, thank you, I love you, over and over, because it keeps giving to me. It gives to me that feeling of, you know, when you're you're feeding your baby and you know you are satisfying this child, whether it's through you or whether it's, you know, through some other means and you're nurturing that child. There's this great sense of personal satisfaction that comes. And when I feed that creative little girl in me that's the creative, I feel like I'm patting her back and I'm nurturing her and saying, I love you. I want you to be happy and satisfied. And, Hmm. and And, you know, allowing myself that, you know, permission to be messy to be um, to not know what I'm doing while I'm doing it is uh, is like nurturing that child and saying, "Go ahead, it's okay. You can you can do that. You can go ahead and eat and take care of yourself." And you know, nurturing that creative is that like petting that baby in my mind. And so I never get old. I won't be an old, um, unfulfilled crotch the old lady because I always have a baby mm-hmm. and that baby is is my creative and that baby is me and you know and I think the creative in us is the part that is always potential like a baby is always potential the, the, the baby is the hope in our lives and by having that creative and 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 nurturing her and acknowledging her, I have endless hope. I have endless potential. Um, I remember thinking that my mother never got old. I was just going to because say that. she always allowed herself to learn. And I, one of the great gifts she gave me was showing me that she continually learned. And I think learning is the creative in action. Beautiful. Because really, nothing is new. Mm-hmm. Everything is everything is just a rehashing of something. And that's, that's what true. creativity is, you know. Yeah. It's a new recipe of stuff. Yeah. So, I like looking at anyway. it that way. 
Well, speaking of what you've learned, um, I have a final, final question, <laughs> if I may. Um, I just want to know what the most, like the, the past few years have taught you about yourself, as you've been saying, like you're feeding yourself. What have you learned about yourself just these past few years? Um, I have learned that I am weird and I'm allowed to be weird and I, and I don't want to be normal. I want to be accessible. So we we can't be too weird or we're unaccessible, Mm -hmm. but I have learned that it's the part of the beauty of me is the weirdness in me. And for so long I tried to hide it and and it's like, I'm hiding the most beautiful thing. It's like you have a, 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 uh, a necklace and you put it under your shirt you know mm-hmm. and when you pull it out and and you let it be revealed it's like wow that's super cool you are super weird i love that about you <laughs> I, I mean i'm talking to myself when i say that so in the last few <laughs> years when i've had to redefine myself because my kids are gone uh, you know i am older i don't you know i don't know how much longer i'll be on a stage performing or how many how much people will hire me in the future you know because I'm not the typical package of a a performer Um, I I have learned that it's okay whatever rolls out it's okay it's part of my life story and I'm okay with it and I'm allowed to take whoever I am into whatever next stage I go on and it may be just a different stage of life as I move into, you know, my senior status. It's all okay. It's all part of, it's all rolling into who I am, which is who I was, as I said earlier. And, um, and just let go. Like I had said earlier too, when we, when we when we don't have to micromanage every aspect of our lives because we want to become something amazing and we just kind of let go and let inspiration lead us, we, we just find magic appearing. And so I expect that when I'm 80 years old, there will still be magic appearing. It may have a different uh, set of slippers on, you know, but it will still be magic. Wow. Corey, this is such an honor to have you be a guest on my podcast. I am so, so grateful for the influence you've had in my life and grateful that I've had this chance now to share it with more. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to be on my show. Oh, well, I am so honored, Monica. First of all, you are a treasure to me. And always have been from the time you were little and watching you, watching you swirl on that stage at, uh, at Weber State University in the Nutcracker and saying, that's my girl. That's my little girl who turned into this beautiful, beautiful, um, princess. And, and now, and then you just swirled off that stage and into brilliance and other facets of your life and now I see you doing this I'm just it's beautiful and let me just say to your whole audience and to you it is a beautiful thing to get old it is a wonderful thing to get 
wrinkles and sags and other things because you get to look back and you get to see all of this wonder unfolding around you, you know, all of these youngsters who were just tiny little buds that have blossomed into these amazing plants, you know, these amazing people that, like you and and so many around you that are remarkable to me. It's, it's super cool to be this old. It's, you know, I, I you fight it sometimes because it's like, ah, eh, it's not really that fun. But when you step back and look at the wonder that comes with getting to be this old, it's just magical. So don't fight it. None of you, don't fight it. Just embrace it and look at the beauty around you because it's really magnificent. And oh, you're boy. part of that magnificence to me. It seems <laughs> who you've you. become. And who you are becoming. So Thank can't you, wait to Corey. see you in 30 years. That is so kind. Yeah, and well, you know what? That gives me a lot to look forward to. <laughs> well, good. Because it's either that or, you know, the other option is not good. <laughs> either you true. get old or you're not here. Yep. That's so. true. Well, thanks again, anyway, Corey. I love you, Monica. I love you, too. Doesn't everyone need a Corey in their life? That last thing Corey said to me, um, well, she said about me dancing, it's representative of how she's cheered me on throughout my life. I was a dancer until I was 18 and Corey was often in the wings of the stage as she was uh, playing music a lot in our recitals. And she talked often about how swept up she felt with seeing me and the joy I had while dancing. And I regret that I let my own perfectionism get in the way of that gift, of that joy in my life. Um, But we all have those regrets. And that is part of my mess that I have accepted. And I'm trying to move forward with the other gifts I have that I can now cultivate through my own messiness. And I also resonate with Corey's love of her mother. I feel that way to my mom the biggest angel of my life and to just hear what a difference that that made in her own life to have this mother who gave her the power to create her messes and express herself is inspiring me and it also resonates with me as within my own my own life so i hope you learn from Corey to embrace your own mess to not let fear or self-judgment get in the way of developing a life you are meant to live and a life that will bless others through your own very special gifts. Now remember, we've talked about this doesn't have to be artistic. So I want to chat with you about what your gifts are or even how you're struggling to find them. So I'll be going live over the weekend on Instagram to chat on this topic, on this interview with Corey and what you learned about it. So tuned in, um, so tune in on Instagram at about progress there for more details about when that will be. And you can also find me on Facebook at about progress and the show notes you can find on my website aboutprogress.com. in the show notes. I included links to Corey's website where you can also buy her music. You can also do that on iTunes and she's on Spotify. Her albums will, they will just change your life. Anytime I hear any of them, I just find myself crying and I do not cry. So her latest lullaby album should be in every parent's car in the entire world. I just want to thank you if you keep coming back here with all that's happened the last six months in my little family. I've just almost quit this podcast many times and I've thought long and hard about it 
but I feel like I'm supposed to keep doing this. And as I continue to move forward, I have you to thank for that. The more I I move forward, the more I feel assured. And, And you tell me that. You reach out, you let me know, you share the podcast. So keep listening. Please keep coming back each Wednesday and keep sharing it as well. And a reminder, my goal is to hit 500 reviews on iTunes this year. So if you could help me out there, I'd be so grateful. So that's it for today. Next Wednesday, I'm going to share an interview with a hero of mine from my early adulthood, Meg Fee. She's been an internet buddy of mine for many years. You will not want to miss on our discussion. She's an incredible writer herself, one who is also caught up in the strains of perfectionism and it turned into a lot of depression and eating disorders for her as well. And she wrote the most beautiful book that I cannot sleep because I am reading it all night long. And it's called Places I Stopped on the Way Home. I've also included that in the show notes. Definitely read that if you can until my interview next Wednesday. I know this is a bit longer of a podcast. I actually spoke to Corey a lot longer and I had to cut out some really, really good things that made me sad. But just know this was worth it every single minute and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next Wednesday and until then, take care of yourself.